0: I mean, I so we started the gym, like I said, late 2012. And I had actually my first open was in 2012. So that spring was the first time I'd ever done the open. And that was what really hooked me like I, I did the open did every workout like four times got full blown obsessed with it, like tore my hands 19 different times did worse on like it was like it was a disaster, but I loved every minute of it.
2: Hey guys, give a listen to the details of our road to a thousand subscribers free giveaway from RX Smart Gear.
1: Uh, that our podcast wanted to get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. When you hit a thousand subscribers, it allows you to do so much more. Uh, you have the ability to go live from different events, things like that. And Games Weekend, we really wanted to kind of go live and do some commentary of the games, but we couldn't because we don't have enough subscribers. So I reached out to Dave and uh, he has agreed to sponsor this kind of giveaway that we're doing in our road to a thousand. And that is every time we hit a new century mark, we're going to give away an RX jump rope, the original RX jump rope. You get to pick the colors, you get to pick the the thickness of the rope, um, but we want to give away a rope every, every hundred new subscribers we get. The key to that is you have to be a public profile when you subscribe, hit that subscribe button. If you're public, I get to see your name. And so that way we can draw from those names and give away that jump rope every hundred subscribers. And so we are super stoked about this. Uh, we wanted to do something fun with it and Dave and his team came up with this kind of concept. And we're really excited to keep moving forward with that. Yeah, we're excited to help you along with that. And something I didn't tell you, but I might as well, I might as well put it out there. We're going to throw some other little goodies in there. We're not going to say what they are, but uh, and it may be different every single time. But whoever, uh, whoever wins is going to get some extra little stuff in there. So it should be oh, fun. That's awesome. And so make sure you hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends, tell your family, because the faster we get to the next century mark, the next time we draw for another rope and you're, you're involved whether you are the first subscriber or the thousandth subscriber, you're still eligible to win uh, in these, in these giveaways. So,
2: and now back to the podcast,
0: let's do it.
1: So you are a month
0: into being a dad. I am just turned a month. Our son just turned a month old two days ago.
1: So what has that been like?
0: I mean, honestly, it's been awesome, man. I mean, it's like, it's throughout this whole quarantine, the whole summer being so crazy and hectic and chaotic, like this was definitely kind of a, you know, shining light at the end of the tunnel for us, just knowing that he was coming. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been really awesome. It's been an adjustment, but I mean, he's a, he's an awesome little baby and he's brought us a a whole lot of joy. So it's, it's pretty great. We're, we're very thankful and we feel very lucky right now.
1: Yeah. You know, Kat and I are both parents, man. There's nothing like, there's nothing like the love you have for a child.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, that's definitely, I've said that to a couple of people, like you don't, and it's not as cliche as it is, you like, people are like, oh, like you'll, you won't know till you know, and it's like, all right, well, I'm sure I'm gonna love him a bunch. Like he's obviously, like, <laughs> he's our offspring, like totally. But yeah, there's definitely another level that you just can't even appreciate. Like, I mean, for your partner and for your, like your kid, you know, there's just like so much that changes when you see them and when you, you know, when they become a part of your life, it's, it's pretty incredible.
1: And, and you did that with Caitlin. Yeah. And so how did you guys, how did you guys meet?
0: So we actually met, uh, we met on an airplane back in 2012. Um, we were, so I had just gotten done an internship with an accounting firm, KPMG, and I accepted a full-time job offer as an auditor. And I was flying down on St. Patty's Day to celebrate with some buddies and go have a fun weekend because I just got a, you know, a, what was my dream job at the time um and she was flying down completely separately never met before she was flying down um to visit a visit a boyfriend at the time um and we ended up next to each other on the plane chatted the whole way down um you know we had a drink in the airport and she gave me her phone number and a couple weeks later um now well there's more to this story but a couple weeks later um you know, her relationship had ended. And a couple weeks after that, you know, I texted her, I was like, Hey, it's been a few weeks, you know, meet me for a drink. So we went out, we had a drink and, you know, we went out a couple more times after that and just kind of, you know, hit it off, became friends and then started dating. So that was in March. Uh, we started dating over the summer, like middle end of the summer sometime. So
1: here we are. That's a really cool story.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like it's definitely a, it's, you know, it's, it's a, crazy story the fact yeah the fact that we met on an airplane at the time i was like man like as we started dating i was like this would be pretty cool like if this works if this lasts like that would be that'd be pretty awesome like that that's a cool story to tell and yeah so eight what is it eight just over eight years later still here still going strong
1: And <laughs> it seems like the attraction was pretty strong right off the bat for you guys to have a drink and and a number all right there but
0: yeah i mean what can what, what can we say <laughs> <laughs> It was it was it was a strong attraction off the bat, and I was obviously single at the time. Um, was my wife's actually just sitting on the couch over here? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was very driven about thinking she was very cute, and I really liked her. So I was uh, I was I was very motivated um, to get her to talk to me and go out and have a drink with me at some point. Um, Love it. Yeah, no, we definitely we clicked, and you know, we had a. I was living in Philadelphia at the time, which is where my family's from. Um, So I was at home for the summer because I just finished up my first year of my master's degree. She was living in Jersey, going to school at the time. So like, you know, we were lived or lived near each other for the summer. So we were able to have like, you know, just a fun summer in whatever Pennsylvania. It was, you know, kind of great. So. So was
2: was the drink at Chickie and Pete's in the airport or was it some other
0: lounge? Yeah. So funny enough, we, so we flew through Charlotte and We've flown through there a bunch of times over the years now and the bar is gone, but we know exactly where it was. Like every time we walk by, we're like, Hey, that was where we got our first drink. I forget. Yeah. Like you said, the, the bar is long gone, but yeah, we stopped and we had the Jameson we're both Irish. So we were kind of like, all right, this is. You know, Very this cool.
1: is. Uh, it wasn't cheers in, in the Charlotte airport. Was it?
0: No, it was not cheers. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. I've been in that bar a few times, uh, yeah. but anyway, <laughs> Um, the, the part I, I have, having a hard time with in your story is that you were an auditor.
0: Yeah. I know. Right. Dream job. Yeah. So I had like, <laughs> so my dad's in My dad was an, isn't a He's now a CFO, but he wasn't an accountant. He worked in public accounting. He was an auditor for years. His dad was also an auditor. My grandfather on my other side was an engineer. So there's a lot of like, math science nerdy things in the in the family line um and yeah i mean i actually kind of knew i wanted to go into accounting when i was in high school just because it was a very you know like I, i saw the life that my dad had provided for you know myself my sister and our family and it was you know seemed super stable and frankly accounting came pretty naturally to me so like i started taking accounting classes and it just all made sense and i wasn't the greatest student in high school so a lot of other things didn't really make sense that way so i was like all right well If I can make a good living, I find the work pretty easy. I do enjoy it. Like, why not? So I went to college and I got a bachelor's and a master's degree in accounting. And yeah, I did an internship, took a job. And all all at that like same timeline basically was when we opened the gym. So we opened uh, CrossFit Palace, which is now Palace Fitness. Um, We opened it in October of 2012. And I graduated from my master's program in the spring of 2013. So basically, it was all kind of happening at the same time, and I had accepted the job. The plan was for my business partner and I to close the gym, um, because it was just kind of a passion project while we were in school. We didn't really open it thinking we would be doing it in the long term. It was just like, you know, we it was something almost like a fun application of our business degrees. It was like, all right, like, let's start a small business, and let's, you know, let's have a, little, have a little fun while we're in school. And we loved CrossFit. We loved coaching. So there was, you know, a lot of things went into it, but... Yeah, so we we did that, and uh, I ended up turning down the job offer because the gym was kind of starting to take off, and we wanted to stick around and see what happened. And frankly, accounting never really goes anywhere. Like it's still it's still in my back pocket if I ever wanted to do that. Um, you know, I haven't forgotten how to do taxes. I haven't forgotten how to do books because I still do all that stuff for the gym. So yeah, it was a a bit of a hard right turn coming out of coming out of school, but. Yeah, I, uh, so
2: your, your business partner, Eamon, um, Scott and I were both at the Masters Fitness Collective, so we know him pretty well. You guys went to college together. Did you play hockey together?
0: Yes. So, yeah, we both went. I transferred to Ithaca College. I started at SUNY Oswego, which is in a, a, one of the state university New York schools upstate. And I transferred down to Ithaca College and I met Eamon my junior year. We started on the hockey team together and just kind of became quick friends. Um, and then he introduced me to CrossFit like a couple days later because I was just kind of playing hockey for fun at the time and was doing the typical pump and run routine like just curls and running on the treadmill forever. So uh, I was doing that at the time. He's like, "Hey, this is way more fun. Come try this." So I did my first CrossFit workout with him. So he introduced me, uh, and that was in like that was probably January, of, January February of 2012. And then kind of obviously fell in love with it. And he and I started training together multiple days a week, and. Later that summer, we were like, all right, training at the school gym is kind of dumb because we can't, you can't snatch anything, you can't drop weights, you, we don't have access to a lot of the equipment that would make this more fun. Cause he'd been doing it forever cause he was in the military. And that was kind of like what initially spawned looking for a gym. We we're like, all right, it'd be cool. If we had somewhere fun to train, we could train some other people, maybe start some classes. And the ball just kind of started rolling and we rented a, a small two car garage that smelled funny. And we started a gym. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you came up with the name palace uh, palace. Yeah. Palace. What, what, what does that mean? So P-A-L-L-A-S is the Greek Titan of Warcraft. So that was kind of, um, that was kind of where it was born out of. Again, Eamon's got a military background. He was in the Navy for a long time, did a couple tours. And I'm a, just, I'm a, I'm a huge mythology fan. Like I, I love you know, Norse, Greek, Irish mythology. So I just love reading about it and kind of you know, nerding out on it. So it just kind of, it fit, made sense. So
1: accountant, Greek mythology, would never picture that. No. You hide your nerdum really well.
0: I am most definitely, I joke with my wife all the time. Like I'm a inner nerd hard. Like I (laughs) love love video games as a kid. I'm a huge reader. I love reading like fantasy novels, stuff like that. Like it doesn't really come out in my fitness, you know, pursuits. And I don't, I think I don't necessarily maybe fit the mold of someone who the, the typical mold of what you'd be like, oh yeah, he like loves video. Like he likes playing video games as a kid and reads a lot. Like maybe not fit that quite so much, but yeah, definitely. It lives, it lives very strong in me.
1: So, so did you have an athletic background growing up with your nerd stuff?
0: Yeah. So that was like funny, funny. (laughs) Like I, my best, my two best friends were on the hockey team with me when I was younger. So uh, I played a variety of sports until I was like, probably nine or 10. And that was when I really fell in love with hockey and got serious about it. And I just started playing year round. So like, I played basketball, soccer, you know, baseball, all that growing up. Um, Fell in love with hockey when I was like 10 years old, started playing year round. And then two of my best friends, I met through the local hockey system. And we played together all the way up until I was 17. And I left home to play elsewhere. Um, And yeah, we were my best friend growing up was also a big video game nerd. So our normal weekend routine we were on the varsity hockey team so we would have a game on a Friday night we would go to his house and we would play video games until like five in the morning order pizza stay up all night sleep all day Saturday play another game Saturday night and that was kind of our our rinse repeat uh you know routine when I was in high school and it it kept me out of trouble to the for the most part like (laughs) (laughs) where'd you go to high school Tim you're from like are you from the Bryn Mawr area or Yeah, roughly. So I grew up in media, Pennsylvania. Um, I went to high school, uh, for three years and then I went to national sports Academy, which is a, a winter sports school up in Lake Placid, New York. Uh, I went there for my senior year and I played prep school hockey with, which was in a junior a leagues. Um, like they're in, they were in the AJ and the ECHL. So we played a bunch of teams from those leagues. And that was kind of, uh, where I really tried to take hockey to another level, but fell out of love with it. Um, just got burnt out. We, we played a real a season that was very aggressive too long. And by the time the end of my senior year came around, um, like I had some offers for like upper level D3 schools, lower level D1 schools to play hockey. And I just didn't want to. So I ended up just mm-hmm. going to school and I was like, all right, well, I guess if I'm not going to play sports anymore, I should probably take all that energy and passion and focus on being smart. So get a, get, get a, get a degree and try and do well in school and it turns out when you're not trying super hard in sports and you actually focus on school, I was a decent, I was a pretty good student. So that was a, that was a nice surprise.
2: <laughs> do you have so, any, do you have any regrets missing your senior year? Uh, I had a similar situation myself where I sort of skipped over the senior year of, with, with all my friends and did something else. So how do you, looking back on that, do you have regrets
0: No, I mean, honestly, so it was actually, I mean, it was one of the cooler experiences of my life because the way that, so NSA is the acronym for the school, like the way it worked was basically whatever your sport was, they had skiers, snowboarders, bobsledders, any, any winter sport, male and female hockey. Um, So we had, we had athletic endeavors from 6am until 11am every morning. And then we would have class from noon until four. So we only had like four hours of class a day. And, you know, it was kind of like a, it was almost like a little weird haven or like like kind of like Eden almost because it was all I was really good friends with all the guys on the hockey team became quick friends didn't know any of them before I went there but you know you're, you're all living away from home you're 17 or 18 years old, for the most part, and you're kind of in this weird little like utopia like like it was almost like a pre college experience, um, you know, without the drinking and stuff like that but you know it was like we just played we played sports all day we hung out Lake Placid's a gorgeous town you can go hiking there's tons to do outside So yeah, I didn't, I mean, I definitely didn't regret it in that sense. It definitely distanced me from my childhood friends, I would say prematurely. Like most people, when they go off to college, have a tendency to lose touch with some of their, you know, friends growing up. And I definitely lost touch with some of my really close friends. Um, You know, they came into my life later, later on, but you know, I definitely lost touch with them when I left, but also made some new friends. Um, So it was definitely a lot of transitions, but it was definitely a worth, it was definitely a worthwhile experience that I for sure don't, I wouldn't take back for anything.
1: So you finish up college, uh, you, you then have this box that's kind of growing, um, mm-hmm. and you decide that you're going to go in that vein. Like, when did it go from just being a box owner to you being considered a really good CrossFit athlete?
0: Um, I mean, I, so we started the gym, like I said, late 2012, and – I had actually, my first open was in 2012. So that spring was the first time I'd ever done the open. And that was what really hooked me. Like I I did the open, did every workout like four times, got full blown obsessed with it. Like tore my hands 19 different times, did worse on, like it was like, it was a disaster, but I loved every minute of it. And that was kind of like what really drew me into like, all right, there's a, there's a competitive outlet here because at that point um, I was finishing up my hockey career. Like I wasn't even going to have, you know, I was playing club it's in college and I wasn't going to have that outlet anymore because I was running out of eligibility as I was going to be you know, a master's program. So that was kind of where the wheel started to turn. It's like, all right, like this could be a good outlet for me because I, I just love, I loved training. I always loved working out. You know, I just liked being physically active. So it seemed like a new avenue to pursue. Um, And I qualified for regionals in 2013. And once I went to regionals, I was the last guy in. So like, they used to take 48, I was like 54. So like, I was the dead last guy to get an invite after a few other people had said no. Um, So I, I went there and I DNF'd on the first event. So like, couldn't have gone worse, but saw the experience, like, you know, it was just saw how cool it was. And that like, wow, like, there's actually like a little cult of you know like like this crossfit thing is like kind of big in its own little circle and it was the environment we were in the northeast which meant we were outdoors at reebok headquarters which was just such a cool environment to compete in so you know there was like that really kind of drew me in and that really started the wheels turning of like okay this could be kind of cool and especially for me i don't like failing at things i'm a very kind of just ocd you know, kind of type A person on the whole. So DNFing on the first event in 2013, I was like, all right, well, I have to go back again because I can't, that can't be it. Like, I can't just go once, drop out. Like, that's, that doesn't sit well with me. So I went back in 2014, had a better year, and kind of like things started to progress from there. But I wouldn't say I considered myself like a serious CrossFit athlete until. 2015 I was when they moved to the super regionals so they combined the northeast and canada east and then I came top 10 that year in like a really strong regional like just a lot of CrossFit OGs like Spencer Hendel, Austin, Dan Taminsky, Craig Kenny, um, Paul Tremblay was at, like you know there was just like a bunch of OG CrossFit guys and I was like all right you know if I put some time and energy into this I might you know like I might be able to to do this. And that was when it kind of really dawned on me for the first time that I was going to try and qualify for the games and thought I had a legitimate shot was probably in 2015.
1: So it's 2015 and it actually takes you a couple years to make the game. So when you finally made it in 17, did it make it sweeter that you had to work that hard or that long or?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it was like, Right. I, I remember my, so when I qualified in 2017, there was like 60 people from my gym there. My family was there. Like there was a huge support crowd of, you know, just people that had jumped along for the ride and just had, you know, supported me in this whole kind of like athletic endeavor. Um, and it was, I mean, I've like my joke with my dad was like, you know, you, you very often in life, you don't get to chase a dream that seems incredibly lofty and is achieved by very few and actually do it. Like, like that, that's like to actually have it all culminate. And like, even though it took, you know, five years, I mean, five years is relatively short in terms, in my mind, as far as like achieving something that is very, very difficult. Like, you're know, like, that's like in the grand scheme of life, that's a pretty short timeline, you know, in my opinion. Um, so like it, but it definitely, I mean, you know, obviously the year it, I didn't have that perspective at the time. Like, you know, I'm, I'm am five, five years older now, but or four years older now but yes I mean it was definitely it was very very sweet though just to kind of like you know again it, it achieve a dream because you know I, my hockey dream kind of died and you know kind of making it to the highest level of, of any sport I thought it died I, I didn't think my athletic career was you know I was like all right I'm done with hockey I'm going to be an accountant I'm just going to work out to stay fit and that's that's how my life's going to be um, but then found CrossFit and was like all right there's there's an elite level of this sport that I think you know I could achieve and you know, to actually achieve it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, I, I believed I could do it, but it's still, you know, when you actually do it is a very different level of just kind of like shock.
1: And you have, you have two things really against you. One, you didn't come from a background that's typical of a CrossFit athlete, right? Hockey, hockey is not really the pathway to get to the elite level of CrossFit and you're six foot one.
0: Yeah. I was six foot one. Apparently five, six years of six years of competitive CrossFit. I'm now six feet tall. So <laughs> six I'm, squats. I'm getting short. So <laughs> we're heading in the right direction. <laughs> so maybe by the time I'm in the forty masters category, I'll be like five eight or five nine. Perfect size. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and definitely, you know, that was I mean, that was a little bit of an underlying um, you know, just challenge because you you know, and it's it's no secret in CrossFit that there there's an ideal size for, you know, what we do. Um, you know, it's, it's not a secret and there are definitely outliers, um, you know, but again, I don't, I don't mind being an outlier, like, you know, a little bit of an extra challenge or you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I just, I believe that hard work can overcome most things. So even, even height.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so then in 18, you go back to the games um, last year, regionals, uh, you get back to the games uh, and, and do all of that. And then in your own bio on CrossFit, you say 19 was a rough year.
0: It was a year. It was a year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, what well, I mean, was it? Just a year. So that's the first year with all the sanctionals. Um, and you still make the games. Yeah. You still made the games. It was, but it was, but it was rough. Were you dealing with uh, like injuries that year?
0: Honestly, no. I mean, I, I wish, believe me, I wish I had an excuse for why I did so poorly in 2019. Um, But I mean, this, it was a culmination of a lot of things. Um, You know, I think all the changes were obviously just stressful on a lot of levels, but you know, you kind of, as an athlete, just compartmentalize that and throw it aside. You're like, all right, these are the new cards that I've been dealt, you know, focus on, all right, how do we get to the games? And then, you know, the old systems out. So just figure this out. Um, one, and I didn't know that I had qualified until, I mean, it was open was in October. I don't think I knew that I qualified until the middle of March. Like I was in Iceland doing a sanctioned event to try and qualify when I found out that I had qualified because the open leaderboard had shifted. There was a couple of video penalties and like the way things worked out, I ended up qualifying through the open. And I joke, I was in a hotel room with Paul Tremblay Sitting on the toilet in the morning, just scrolling through my phone. And I was like, well, son of a, like there was like the, the weird scenario that I needed to happen happened. Happened. So it was like, wow, I just qualified for the CrossFit games. Like I text my wife. I'm like, Hey, this is amazing. But it was like two in the morning. She was asleep. So I was like, all right, well she'll get back to me when she gets up. So I was like, it was very surreal qualifying for the games experience after qualifying at regionals with my family and my friends and all that in 2017, 2018. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was a weird experience. And I mean, I guess there was a little bit of an injury because I did get hurt in Iceland. I had to pull out due to like, I have a, like basically just a, an, a dysfunctional SI joint. So it just had, it causes me constant issues and requires a lot of just maintenance, prehab, very diligent, stretching, mobility work, all that stuff. And I can largely keep it at bay. Um, but in Iceland, there was just a perfect storm of back destruction that (laughs) just, Yeah, it was like, so there, we ran up a mountain on the first day. That didn't help. The next morning, we did like 150 pistols with a bunch of overhead squats. And then the workout after that was de- moderate deadlifts and burpees. And like all the hip flexion extension just like I blew my back out during a deadlift and had to be carried off the floor because I, I couldn't move my like, I, I couldn't move my lower body without pain. So um, luckily, it was purely muscular. So it was just my SI had shifted. Um, You know, I was working with my chiropractor and my wife is a physical therapist. So like I had a lot of great tools to help me kind of get back in working order. So I definitely was training modified for a while. Like, you know, I I trained modified for probably two months after that, just to make sure that everything was really back in line before we started to do any kind of heavy lifting or, you know, anything like that. Um, So there was some modified training, but I wouldn't say that it, it definitely wasn't what held me back at the games. You know, at the games, it was just pure and simple and underperformance you know there was a the very first workout that came out was was basically my worst movement in crossfit in the worst scenario possible so you know like you know you don't ever want to say oh it, the programming kicked me out you like you know because that's you should just be fit enough that the programming doesn't matter you know like that's what you train for um but like I said, it was just, it was the absolute worst case scenario. And it bit me, you know, like we, it wasn't that we had been working hard. Like the workout was Legos rope climbs, running in squat snatches, but the Legos rope climbs were the meat of it. Like that was really the, the, the differentiating factor for athletes was how you could handle those. And it was just, you know, we were jumping from crash mats, so you couldn't jump at all. So the rope was longer in that sense. Cause usually you can jump a couple feet, obviously, and they were a little taller than normal. So usually we have a 15-foot legless rope climb, and the beam was probably closer to, like, 16, 17 feet. So that, combined with standing on a crash mat, you know, like the rope climb felt, as an athlete, like you were climbing closer to 18 feet. So for me, you know, again, it's like legless rope climbs are hard. Tall legless rope climbs are harder. Tall legless rope climbs where I can't jump are about the hardest it gets. And, you know, it just – I wasn't fit enough. Like I I wasn't good enough for the test. And it wasn't that we hadn't been working hard in training. Like we've been doing unilateral pulling work. We've been climbing ropes like fiends. I mean, like we had been doing all the right things. You know, frankly, I just wasn't up to par with the field. So, and it's definitely, it's seriously influenced both my mindset and my training since then. Um, because obviously we don't ever want that to happen again. So. Yeah, it was a it was a rough start. And for, for anyone that wasn't following the games that year, I got cut in the first event, and that was the end of the games. So I'll sum the whole thing up for you nice and sweet.
1: <laughs> so two quick questions about that. One, back to Iceland. Hmm? Uh, there was a video. I, I can't remember who did it. It was like a behind-the-scenes of what was going on at Iceland. Yeah. And one of my vivid memories is you and Paul kind of talking about how you didn't understand whether you were in or you weren't. Or there was this big scenario that had to happen. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then the back, the back injury that had you carried off. And then you tried to go back out on the floor, right?
0: I, I tr- well, I mean, I, I was war- like warming up for the next. Like, you know, like, I was like, all right, I DNF'd the event, but maybe I can finish the weekend. And two or three hours later, it became very obvious that was not. I mean that's that wasn't in the cards I couldn't even bend over like never mind do anything athletically like I couldn't all I could do was stand upright like I couldn't get off the ground without help I could you know it was it was a disaster and you was a oh so good
2: no I was just gonna say was Caitlin sort of panicked at that point because she wasn't there right I mean she's just watching assuming she's watching uh, this happen and unfold.
0: Yeah, so she actually, so she flew to Iceland. Um, she oh, arrived good. the day the competition started. So good. I was there, you know, six day, five or five days before to kind of like get over the red eye flight and stuff like that. Um, so she was there, and I mean, obviously, yeah, in full blown panic mode because you know you're like, oh, my husband's not walking. This is very, very good. Like, yeah. so she was, she was definitely in a full blown panic. But um, you know, I mean, obviously, again, with her professional background, like you know, she was able to help, help, like you know help me with muscle work and things like that to like just see like okay what's going on here so there was her and then yanni t uh yanni Teek and him was there as well who's annie and frederick's coach and Jordan's coach as well he's also a cairo so he was or i think he's a cairo but he was there to help as well so like i had some i was lucky to have some great tools to like you know in a foreign country be like all right like you're you're okay you know like you're mm-hmm. you're dysfunctional right now but you are nothing's broken it seems so that was nice
1: the other question I was going to ask is you and Paul seem to be closer than other athletes are. You, you were in the same region. Um, I don't know how long you've known him and maybe I'm just making the assumption, uh, but it just seems like you guys have a pretty tight relationship.
0: Yeah. I mean, Paul's a, Paul's a great dude. Um, you know, like we competed together at regionals a bunch of years and then, you know, we're relatively close. Like Ottawa, where he is, is only three and a half, four hours for me. So we did an open announcement together in 29, 18, 19. We did an open announcement together with myself, Paul, uh, Pat Vellner and Craig Kenny. So we had and um, Pete Shaw as well. And we had like, you know, so there was like, it was like a bro down weekend and there was, you know, we threw down and there was some, you know, drinking and things like that. It was just like a very fun, like, so we became kind of like pretty good friends and we've always just kind of chatted a whole bunch and kept in touch since. So, I mean, yeah, he's a great dude. We competed in Iceland together. We shared a room in Iceland. So, I mean, you know, we just, Yeah, I mean, and he's a former hockey player. So there's certain like, hockey players are just weird. Like, you know, they're kind of like rugby players, like Chris might like Chris Clyde. He's like, rugby players are rugby players. And like, you just kind of are together. And like, hockey players are kind of the same way. Just like whether like, whatever it is, there's just this kind of like underlying like, oh, yeah, bond there. So I mean, yeah, we definitely we became pretty quick friends.
1: And you, um, you mentioned that you were cut in the first cut of that 2019. Were you surprised when they brought out the cuts or, or how quickly they came?
0: Um, I mean, I definitely wasn't surprised by the cuts because, you know, you look at a field of 130 athletes and you're like, this is dumb. Like, no one wants to watch this. Like, this, this isn't administratively feasible. This, you know, like, this isn't fun to watch. Like, you know, it's just it's too much. Um, so we definitely, you know, I knew the cuts were coming. I was definitely surprised with how fast they were administered. You know, like again, as much as you can say one event is a classic test of CrossFit and should be like, you know, if you're a good athlete, you should do well enough to get through, like, you know, whatever the the rhetoric might be. Um, you know, I think from my perspective, like, you know, I've been programming for my gym for uh, since 2012. Like, you know, I, I run an online program with Dave Charbonneau where, you know, like, like I'm really nerdy into the programming side of CrossFit as well. You know, it's like, I could never say that one CrossFit workout is so well defined that I could use it as the definition of fitness, you know? And I think like, when you look at like an event, like the CrossFit games where you're testing to find the fittest on earth and like, I don't think from my standpoint, again, obviously, you know, people at headquarters will disagree with me, but you know, I don't think that one event can be used as a cut like there's a there's a reason that the open is five events and there's you know there's a reason that the CrossFit Games used to be 13 or 14 events because you were trying to find the most well-rounded unbiased test of fitness possible you know so I think that from that standpoint I think the cuts were probably too swift Um, you know just not allowing enough um, enough data points to really say that these people should move on and these people should not.
1: So you mentioned Dave Charbonneau. That's a, good, that's a good segue to another topic I have in my notes. Yeah. He's your, he's your coach, uh, and he also runs mm-hmm. Forged by Zeus with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Forged by Zeus is your online training?
0: Yes. So basically, yeah. So Dave and I started working together in 2015 when I started doing Grid, um, which is a fun story in and of itself that lasted for a few years. Um, so we're, we're
2: huge Grid fans. I am at least.
0: There, oh yeah so there, so there you go so yeah like i did started doing grid with dave and justin on with the brawlers and i became dave's athlete then because he was programming for me for grid and kind of like helping me walk the line between trying to you know be a grid athlete as well as trying to qualify for the crossfit games so you know we had a very like fun unique relationship in that sense and we became really good friends over the course of you know grid um and yeah forge by Zeus is our online program so basically we put out like there we do remote coaching as well but it's a lot of programming templates um, for athletes of various levels various you know uh, uh, programming styles things like that and we publish my programming so you know i think it's like we publish exactly what I do every day, so you know if people want to train with me or they want to you know they like my training style and they want to give it a shot, like you know we put out the whole thing like start to finish warm ups and accessory mobility, all of that stuff like it's all kind of included in there, um, which was kind of like what it started as it was like, all right well you know, let's, let's put your program out to the masses. And if people want to follow along, cool, they can. And then from there we spun off and we started writing other programs for athletes of different ability levels. And then we brought Chris Clyde in, started offering a strength and conditioning bias program. So, you know, we've kind of, we've grown from there. Um, but yeah, so it's, that's our online gig, which is a ton of fun.
1: And another um, nod to the Greek mythology with the name.
0: Naturally, although that one, that one came well before uh, Dave has been, he's been like, sh- like shoulders like Zeus, like, because he had, he can just press the house, like, and he always, he's just always had a crazy press, so, like when he was competing in CrossFit and all that, so he was nicknamed Zeus long before uh, I came into the, the picture, and then Forged by Zeus just kind of fell right into it, because we are like, all right, well, Dave's, Dave's the programmer, and he's kind of making all of us into, you know, helping shape us into what we are, so here we go, Forged by Zeus
1: how can people access that
0: so all, we run almost everything through our instagram so we have an instagram account at forged by zeus um you know we all of our program samples are in there you know um, frequently asked questions which program is right for you general goals descriptions of each program stuff like that and then you can also sign up that way so pretty much everything's through instagram now we're working on we're working on a website in the you know next couple of months so we'll have a little bit more you know developable or digestible content for too long hopefully
2: you guys have any uh, any aspirations to get into the affiliate program space?
0: So we've I mean we've thought about it and like it's it's always been a weird balance because I still write my program for our for our gyms. So, you know like I like I write that myself and Dave programs for Community Fitness Queens I think they call themselves now. So you know like there's so we've thought about it um but frankly there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of people doing it that are doing it very well. You know, like Hamplan does a great job of it. NCR does a great job of it. You know, like there's there's plenty of avenues for affiliate mm-hmm. programs. Um, <clears throat> and the you know, I think from for our standpoint, that's maybe somewhere down the line. Um, but for right now, like focusing on the individual athlete side of it is kind of where just where we've put our focus. So, so
2: speaking of programming, sorry, I have one question about the games. Um, what event at the twenty nineteen CrossFit Games sort of made you salivate and wish you could
0: have performed yeah. in? I mean, honestly, the one right after the one I got cut. <laughs> the uh, so like I oh, got the, the push press one. Yeah, the row push press handstand walk. Like handstand walking's probably my one of my favorite things in all of CrossFit. Like I just love handstand walking. I like being on my hands handstand push-ups, handstand, like, anything like that, I just find super enjoyable, and I'm also pretty good at it. Um, So, like, I was – I saw the next event, and admittedly – so, I got cut. I went out for drinks because I was sad. And so, I went with my family and had a bunch of beers and did my thing. And then they announced the next event, and I went into the hotel gym and, like, five beers deep did the workout and was like – I was like, man, just – Like, you know, it was was one of those things where like five beers deep, I did more than well. And, you know, it's just like, things like that, where you're kind of like, you're shaking your head like, damn it.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, fun fact, I was actually a judge at the 2019 games, and I was in your lane for that first event. Oh, really? I was one of, we didn't have a specific athlete. We were, well, I guess we did. But, you know, you had to like, you could pick any one of the five ropes. Yeah, Yeah. So we were kind of all over the place. But I, and I knew who you were because I live in Delaware and I'm a coach. So I know Chris and I knew yeah. you and it was, all, it was so hard to watch, you know? Oh. I mean, like, especially when I was sort of towards the end of one of the, and I, whenever you get people that you know, or you recognize, like, you're just, you know, you're, you're secretly cheering for them. And especially in one of those, cause there wasn't much counting to do. It was like, did you hit the rope? Did you come down?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: but that was really, yeah. I mean, I feel for you. Cause that was really hard to watch.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, like that was, what was that? Yeah, my wife agrees with you. It was very hard to watch. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it was definitely. Mean, you know, that was like one of the like re- reliving that experience. Like, I mean, I like I, I, it, it's burned deep into my psyche. You know, just like the, like the the level of just fresh. it's like
2: laces out, right?
0: Yeah, like <laughs> it, man, it. Yeah, Sorry. that <laughs> no that that experience to me, you know, like I like to relive it briefly. You know, it's like when things start to go wrong, like I, I've i done enough mental training that it's like, all right, you get one, you miss one rep and it's like, everything's still fine. You're like, all right, I'm still in the game. It's all good. You made a mistake, mistakes get made, fix it. You know, like it, do whatever you can right now, make an adjustment, fix it. Got us like, I successfully got one and I was like, all right, it's going to be okay. Like my next rep was good. And then that, so what was my fourth climb of that round that was supposed to be three? I then failed the fourth climb, which meant that I was in for five rope climbs in that round. And at that point, the, like things started to unravel because it was like, you, I, I knew deep down in me at that point that there was probably nothing left that I could do. So it was like standing on the field and just knowing that this was it like it that your performance was not going to be enough and that my family was there. They had all my family, my in-laws had flown out, my coach, like, you know, just like the gravity of like, I failed, like it, it settled in standing on the floor. And I mean, there's just like, there's no, like, it's probably one of the biggest failures of, of my life to to this point. Like, as far as like, feeling like I have failed both myself and the people like around me, like just that, like that giant letdown. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not something I'll ever forget. And it definitely, I mean, good, bad or indifferent, it shaped me into a much, much different and much stronger person, you know, leading into that next season and just kind of as, as far as, you know, dealing with adversity, like, you know, again, you don't really find out who you are until you get punched straight in the groin in the face at the same time. And like, it's like, for me, that was like, that was the one, two shot. Like that was the, that was the upper lower. That's it. And I mean, you know, it definitely, it taught me a lot about myself, you know, in the going coming weeks and kind of how I handled it, how I dealt with it, processed it, and also how I attack training going forward. Like it all, you know, it, it taught me a lot and a lot of really good things that I that I think are very useful for me kind of going forward.
2: Yeah. And, and a lot of great things have happened this season, like that we can still talk about, right? Like the 2020 yeah. CrossFit game season. Um, what was that like for you, that experience?
0: Yeah, I mean, on, and like, that's the thing is like, you know, coming off of such a rough season, like, I mean, honestly, 2020 was pretty great. Like, you know, like, obviously, you never do as well as you want to, like, short of winning, you're not satisfied like that, you know, duh. like, we're, we're not here for participation trophies, we're here to win. You know, so it's like, but like that being said, you know, I, my first sanctioned, my first competition event after the games, I finished on the podium. So I went to Ireland and against a really strong field, came on the podium and I was like, all right, this is awesome. Like I, like I, I, Ireland, I fixed a lot of problems that I, that I was having in my competitive uh, psyche, like at the 2019, 2018 games a little bit and the 2019 games as well. I wasn't competing like myself. Like I I had a very, I had a different mindset. It wasn't working for me. I needed to fix something. I needed to make adjustments. And so going into Ireland, I knew that and I went into Ireland with a completely different headspace, like kind of back to like rookie me, like back to like, okay, this is when you had fun and it was awesome and you did well. And like, like, and you performed well. So you put all these facets together and I was able to do that in Ireland. I had an absolute blast. I outperformed myself. Like, you know, just, Everything went really well. So like, for me, that was like a huge confidence booster going into the 2020 season being like, all right, you know, 2019 happened. We digested it. We made corrections and they're working. So here we go. Like full steam ahead into 2020. And then obviously COVID hit and ruined all my other competitions for the year, as well as everyone else's. Um, But I mean, on the whole, you know, again, just it's another, it was another opportunity to be challenged and to overcome like you know, I would like, I again, we were still running the affiliate, so trying to manage a gym through all of that stuff, manage training through all of that. My wife was pregnant, you know, so it's like all these kind of things are going on, and it's just like, you know, it's like, all right, these are challenges, just focus on what you can yeah. and make the best of it, and figure it out.
2: And how, how nice was it though that you're going through all those other things and you didn't have to worry about qualifying for the CrossFit games? You know, like that was in your rearview mirror, so
0: and that was definitely nice. nice. Like, yeah, like knowing that I qualified through I had my qualifying spot through the open like definitely made that whole COVID period less stressful. Like once you see events start getting canceled it's like, all right, you know, Not we were we were competing for benchmarks at that point. Like we were competing to see how training was going and what improvements and what changes we had to make going into the game season. Um mm-hmm. so I mean honestly for me 2020 was one of the better training years I've had in my competitive, you know, career. Like there was a lot going on but I was hyper focused on training because there was also, you know, there was a lot going on, and there was also nothing going on. So it was kind of like there were, you know, there were like you're we're in this weird spot where the gym is constantly pivoting. You're trying to figure out how to keep your membership base, you know, engaged, alive. How do I, you know, how do you control finances so that we're not going to go bankrupt when this thing is all said and done? Like, there were so many things to do and focus on, but at the same time, you were stuck in your house. So like, you know, like there's this weird, you know, two sides of the coin. So like, you almost you have no excuse. But to just destroy your training, and I did that for all of quarantine, so that was nice
1: <laughs> it's got to be it's got to be crazy though to to come off your worst season and you want redemption so in one way, you're kind of lucky because you signed up for the one of the first sanctionals of the year and at least got something in yeah, uh, you know, and qualifying through the open had to be redemptive as well yeah I mean but but then to have the rest of it kind of taken away as you're trying to like make up for what happened the year before.
0: Yeah. And there's, you know, I think that's very true. Like, you know, again, like Ireland was a great like stamp for me. It was like, all right, like we're, you know, we're back. We're We're moving in the right direction. I'm feeling like myself. I'm fired up. I'm excited to compete. I'm loving training. I'm loving being on the floor. Like things felt great. So like that was, a, it was really nice to get that under my belt because honestly if I didn't get that opportunity, you know, I don't know if I would have felt as good going into quarantine and, you know, like all those things. Cause even though I qualified through the open, you know, I mean, frankly, I've always been pretty good at the open, you know, like, like it's always been a good stage of competition for me just because of, I think it's mostly because I'm an analytical person. So like being able to do a workout, analyze the holy hell out of it and repeat it is beneficial to me. So like, I've always been pretty good at the open just because of who I am, like, You should see the spread like the spreadsheets and the math that I do on an open workout when it's done like I analyze my performance to the second and it's like all right where do you like how did it feel where do you like anyway that's another science in and of itself but so like you know for me doing well in the open I guess I kind of expected of myself at this point because of my personality and my history you know compete competing Um, so all of that aside you know going into the 2020 games I don't want to sound ungrateful because I'm, I mean, I'm thankful we had a games like it it was not what, what we wanted, but it was definitely, it was what we needed. I think like the athletes and the, the CrossFit community as a whole. Um, and I mean, it was honestly, it was a, it was a good test. Like, you know, the workouts may have been like on the whole, I think it was a good qualifying piece. Like the the seven events that they gave us in our gyms, you know, it was a pretty well-rounded test as far as what we had to work with. Um, you know, I think on the whole, I give them a lot of credit. Um, and it was very, it was pretty effectively run too from sending out judges and just kind of how the process went. Um, but I mean, you know, we'd be lying if it's like, all right, well, yeah, I just wanted to compete in my gym this year. Like, no, like of course not. Like that's, you know, that's not what anybody wants. You want to get out on the floor and you want to push against the other guy, you know, like you want the full experience of being out on the floor as an athlete, you know, this was a very unique test. Cause again, it, you were isolated. Like it was, it was you, the music that you chose and your judge. Like I didn't, I didn't have a, like, you know, we had, my family was there. So like we had our, our nuclear family was there to watch, but like, other than that, you know, it's like, we didn't have a massive fan base. So it was a, it was a very uniquely challenging way to compete. So I appreciated it from that, you know, that standpoint, and that perspective. Um, But you know, it definitely doesn't feel, I was chatting with a, with a, a games buddy, um, You know about this a lot. Just when you watch the finals, it it definitely feels like you you don't feel gypped, but you know it's like you look at it and you're like, that's the games, like like that that's the games this year. Like what I did in my gym was just another qualifying stage. Like the CrossFit Games happened at the ranch in Aromas. Like what I did as an athlete it didn't feel like it, you know, it doesn't, it didn't feel like the CrossFit games on from a personal kind of standpoint. And it didn't feel, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't it, you know? So like, and that definitely leaves a, not a sour taste, but I mean, it leaves a hungry taste for sure. Because like, you know, I, I I watched the games from my couch in 2016 and I haven't watched the games from my couch since, you know, like it's, and I I like it that way. I, I would rather not watch the games from my couch. So you know, this, this year was a little kick in the pants that we don't ever want that to. I don't ever want to do that again until I'm retired. Well, uh, and,
1: and the catch 22 of that is it It was your best finish ever.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I finished <laughs> 14th. It was my best finish since my rookie year. So it's like, you know, at the end of the day, again, it's, I'm, you know, again, I'm very proud of the effort. I, like I said, I think the competition was really well run and given the constraints that they had. Like, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about it, but. You know, you're also like, it it doesn't, it just doesn't feel the same, you know, like, like from from an athlete, like the memories of being on the floor, being, you know, like being at the games, like that compet like the competition side of it, like it just doesn't kind of sit the same, you know, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I'm proud as hell of it. And like, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the training that we put in. And again, it was, it was a very legitimate test against 29 other really fit dudes. So like, you know, like I don't take anything away from myself in that perspective.
1: Well, and if you look at the beginning of your season in Ireland, you had that moment in the snatch event, you know, and, and as much as you, that test was great. You, you don't get to have those moments because you're, you're isolated.
0: Exactly. And like, you know, those, I mean, and I think, you know, a lot of athletes, like long after we forget what place we came in, like, like, you know, you'll remember those moments like that like took your human essence and just like exploded it you know and am like like those are the things that you'll remember forever and like you know i i've got i've definitely got my top five like competition moments you know and it's like and none of them were this past weekend you know like none of them were the seven events i did in my box for the games this year you know Ooh,
2: what are they tell us what
0: they are uh so i mean off the top so my two my best probably number one was qualifying for the games for the first time. Like, like the hearing your name called over the loudspeaker, like when you've been year after year listening for other people's names and you've been like, you know, I've been in the top 10 and I'm just missing it. You're in the final heat. Like you're so close. So like, even though I was mathematically, I knew I had qualified, like hearing my name called was like probably hands down the most impactful moment for me. Cause again, it's that whole, like, Hard work has paid off. Like, like you, you made the games. You made the elite of this sport for the first time ever, and like knowing that my family was there, my wife was there, fiance at the time, we got married in 20s. We were yeah, sorry, <laughs> recently married. I was trying to do year math. Um, so yeah, you know, like you know that the environment of it, like that was just hands down. um Other ones, the clean and jerk ladder from the games in 2018. Um, There was a speed clean and jerk ladder, and it's in the Coliseum. You know, you've got whatever, 15,000 screaming people, best environment, you know, in the sport of CrossFit. And I made it, like, I had a foot race to the finals with Scott Panchik, and I made the finals. So you're in the top five in the Coliseum. People are losing their shit, you know, like, just like that was definitely like a a real top moment for me. I mean, other favorites, 2018 regionals. Uh, the East Regional, there, the triple threes were Friday morning. It was the first event, and it was a it was a debacle. And I did not do very well. And I was livid. Like I, I was, I was borderline punching holes in my hotel room Friday night because I because of the snafus and things like like you know I was I think outside of the top ten going into the second day of regionals and i was like i was on a goddamn warpath. like I, I woke up saturday morning and like caitlin just kind of sat there in the room just like uh like i mean I, I showed up to this like i showed up to regionals angry on saturday and like i won the morning event and then i came like top three in the afternoon event and like that day really stands out to me because it was like i like I was pissed off like like i I was competing to make a point and to like I was competing angry, I was like you know groundhog day like don't drive angry like i was I was raging behind the wheel, so it was that was like a good you know like kind of comeback piece for me um I mean yeah, some of my other favorite memories are just like uh like at our or in uh, Iceland we had a max snatch event and like I was right behind Paul Tremblay and he and I were having like basically a bro down on the floor. Like we were going like kilo for kilo. I hit a lifetime PR snatch. He snatched over 300. We're both losing our shit. You know, like just like stuff like that where you just like, you know, those competition moments, like those really kind of like stand out, I guess the most for me. Oh, and then also my last one, 2018 games, there was a there was an <clears throat> a workout. It was like a salt bike run and then sled pull. And it was like a, a four or five rounder. It was like a longer event. And it was just like one of those events that I executed. It was probably the most perfectly executed competition event that I've ever had. Uh, like from a pacing standpoint, it was like five rounds, 300 meter run, 20 calorie assault bike and like a hundred foot sled pull, like hand over hand. And it was like five rounds of it. And like, I was in the back of the pack through the first three rounds, made up ground in the fourth round. And like, my game plan was stay under the radar and stay controlled, and then get to the fifth round assault bike and full dumbass it. And like, I just remember coming into the stadium, I was like fifth or sixth. And then jumped on the bike, blitzed out 20 calories in like 10 seconds at a full like asshole clip and got down to my sled. And like, I just remember going like, you know, pulling the sled across, winning my heat and being like, that was like, it was the top time to that point. I was so happy with how I executed it. And I ended up finishing in third for the event. But I just remember going back and watching the announcers. And like, when I got off my bike, everyone's just like scratching their head. Like, what the hell is this thing doing? Like, he's been like, we haven't even we haven't even seen him for the last 16 minutes and here he comes. So like, for me, that was like one of those, like, it wasn't necessarily the, it, because of the finish. It was just because of the execution on a, on a competition scenario where it was like, couldn't have been more perfectly like executed from my, you know, my standpoint. So that was like, that was another kind of top. Those are probably my top five. I think that was about five.
2: That's awesome. Thank you for
0: sharing <laughs> that. That's, that's cool to see your
2: insight. I have one last question about the games. Um, favorite event least favorite event and we're talking the the ranch stuff
0: from like so from the last the five a month ago yeah
2: yeah. um whenever that was
0: yeah i mean so favorite least favorite i mean honestly so i don't know why i would say this i mean i liked a lot of them like from, from a personal standpoint like I really wish I could have competed, you know, like, like I, I really like as tests, I thought they were really good, grueling. You know, there were a lot of workouts in there that I looked at and I was like, Damn. Mm-hmm. Mm, that would have been good. Um, but I mean, as far as like, when I look at it, honestly, I think the pool workout was probably that was awesome. Like just to see a complete monkey wrench in this whole swimming equation and cross, like in CrossFit, like that style, like an interval style workout, one, I love, like such a cool way to program. And it's one of my favorite styles of training is just interval work, high intensity, die, repeat, like, I love that stuff. Having the assault bike in there being back in a pool was a nice twist. Like, you know, I think just the way that that workout was programmed, executed, and the way that it hit the athletes, like I looked at that, and I was like, that was awesome. Like, you know, like, that was a really awesome test. It was like, challenge you know like it was unique like I I loved that workout. Um, I guess least favorite I'm trying to think um what was that I mean honestly I don't know I don't I honestly liked a lot of the workouts from that weekend like I thought Mm -hmm. the handstand sprint you know again another unique like uh, way that kind of paid homage back to like regional events where you had like a 250 foot handstand walk you know, max unbroken or for time, like like it kind of harkened back to like older, you know, competitive days of CrossFit. So like everyone, have you tried that one yet? I have not, but I would love to, because it's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Once once, once Dave gives it to me, that one, that one would be good to try. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think honestly, like I said, on the whole, a lot of those events, I I really liked them. You know, there was, there was a lot of running, which I, I enjoy running. Like I, the trail run was, that was messed up stuff like the hill run looked awful you know like there's just a a lot of those workouts I look at them and I'm like that's a admittedly so okay I take that back Atalanta I thought was a little silly um I guess like not from a it's not like as a competitive CrossFit athlete you're kind of we're just kind of expected to do kind of inhuman shit and I think like you look at that workout and you're like that's kind of inhuman like you know like and I think I didn't, I mean, I don't, from a programming standpoint, I'm like, man, hundred handstand pushups in a vest, my neck, 200 pistols in a vest my back. And like my vice, like I just kind of look at, it, I'm like, that's a, that's a whole lot of stuff. Um, so like, you know, from that standpoint, I didn't necessarily love it. And also from a viewership standpoint, like I understand why they only had five people at the games, obviously. Like I get it it's all things considered this year, um, but you know, I just thought some of the events weren't super fun or engaging to watch with five people, you know, like some were, some were like, some were awesome races. And you're like, you know, like you're, you're gripping, you know, you're gripping the table and it was great, but other events you're like, well, that's kind of boring. Like, you know, like 10 people would have made that way more exciting. Like there were a lot, there were to be, there were a lot of events like that, where it's like, you know, 10 athletes, like one heat of 10 or two heats of five, like would have made a lot of those events a lot more exciting from a viewer standpoint, but you know, I I COVID, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah that's our reality. <laughs> so I'm going to,
1: I'm going to try to put two questions into one. <clears throat> so, cause we're hitting the hour mark here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you, sanctionals, you traveled all over the world, yeah. right? You you didn't really do any American sanctionals. Mm-hmm. And then what do you want the future to look like as a season now that we're going into this new thing do you like the sanctional look to that and being able to see the world and i also noticed like the payouts from those events are not great Mm, no for you to be traveling all over the world how do we fix the payout so that you can become more of a professional athlete and how do we structure it so that it makes sense and it's more enjoyable for both the athlete and the viewer
0: yeah. So I'll try and go, I think there's like three answers to that question. So we'll go first. I love like the opportunity to travel. Like my, other than like my family and fitness, like traveling the world with, with my wife is like my favorite thing to do period. Like if, if I could find a way to make that a career, I would probably, I would probably do that. Um, you know, like I love new places, new things, new people. Like I love that stuff. We've been to South Africa twice. We have like lifelong friends over there now. Like, you know, there's like, I've had unreal experiences traveling in relation to CrossFit. And I like, man, I wouldn't trade them for anything. Um, so I think that part of it is awesome. Um, but I, it's, it's not sustainable from a financial standpoint or from like a storytelling standpoint. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of like a lot of people will talk about like, you know, you can't follow CrossFit the sport right now. You can't like you, ha- you have to have a PhD in fitness in order to follow how the hell you get to the CrossFit games and how you do, you know, like it's not easy and it's not, it's not really fun, you know? So from, from a, from a fan digestive standpoint, I mean, it's, you know, it's fun, but um, so yeah. So I mean, secondary piece, you know, f- for me, like what I was lucky enough to do is like going into the sanctional seat piece, I had enough of a pedigree in CrossFit, both as being an affiliate owner, being a coach, having been to the games twice at that point, that I was able to, you know, leverage my myself and my brand to create revenue opportunities abroad to compete in sanctionals. So like I would host seminars while I was going to compete at sanctioned events to help offset the cost of competing. You know, so like to make sure that I could go and you know, so like I did that when I was in South Africa, I did that in Ireland, you know, like I, I've hosted plenty of seminars across the East Coast as well. Like, you know, so like I would I would intentionally reach out to gyms and be like, Hey, like I, I'm gonna be in the country, I would love to host a seminar talking about I mean whatever you want, but like, you know, competitive side of CrossFit mentality, a real intensive coaching experience, like stuff like that. So I was doing those when I was traveling to compete as well. Um so like when I went to South Africa, I did a couple of them. Um and then same thing when I went with Ireland. Like I said, I had or had two over there as well. So that was kind of how I balanced it because I, you know, again the the payouts from sanctioned events are not enough, especially when you're looking at it's only really podium spots for most of them. Obviously, some are paid out a little further, but you know, it's not enough to make a living, and sometimes it's not even enough to cover your cost of being there. Um, so third piece, you know, I think going forward, um, I mean, honestly. CrossFit headquarters just kind of has to make up their mind. Like they either have to say we like, and it seems like what Eric Rosa is saying is, is this, is that we love the CrossFit games and we want to see it grow to its fullest potential. Like that's option one. Option two is we're out. Like go figure it out. You know, like, like someone else pick up the torch, carry it on, make the sport as best as possible. You know, and I think they have to go one direction or the other. Like they, they either have to be all in or they have to be all out because there's a lot of potential here. Like there are a lot of stakeholders that have like plenty of money and are really invested in seeing this sport succeed. Um, So I think that's kind of decision number one. And like I said, it really sounds like based on some conversations, you know, I've been able to be a part of based on what Eric has said publicly, like he seems fully invested in cross in the CrossFit games, becoming awesome and taking it to like, it's the next level, which is great to hear. Um, You know, I think from And from from a standpoint of sustainability, you know, I think the, you know, CrossFit has to they have to invest in their athletes like, you know, they they have to create revenue opportunities for athletes within the sport in order for this to be sustainable from like a top level because, you know, you're not going to see a lot of new athletes getting into the sport if there aren't opportunities to make a living doing it. So like right now you'll see, you know, people who are in the sport, they have sponsors, you know, whether a couple small ones, major ones, you know, like wherever you are as an athlete, a lot of the current level across the games athletes have a few sponsors that help them round out their, you know, financial portfolio. In addition to a lot of them running gyms or running online programs, you know, like you're doing other things to help kind of make the whole picture come together, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, again, you. CrossFit doesn't need to pay our entire living. Like, I don't think that's the case at all. But there needs to be enough of a revenue opportunity for that to be the case. You know, so I think <clears throat> bringing that – like, bringing those into alignment. So, like, making sure that there are revenue opportunities from the top to the bottom at the games, in my opinion. Like, you know, you if you go to the CrossFit games, if you compete at the highest level of CrossFit, you should make some money. Like, it, it's the highest level of the sport. Like, the fact that you go there and lose money, frankly, is not – you know that's that's not really acceptable in my in my opinion um so yeah making it financially viable for the athletes is hugely important and I mean again there's enough sponsors out there that CrossFit doesn't have to foot the bill for that like you know there are plenty of you know big name sponsors that would be interested in the games under the right leadership which again fingers crossed it is now you know so like that 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 could definitely happen um and then the other thing to me is like it's got to make sense like from 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 a linear perspective like you got to have a a step A, step B, step C CrossFit games. You know, like like you have to have some kind of linear progression to follow that is engaging for fans, that is easy to follow, and that makes sense for athletes, you know, that like gives us a season that we can plan for, prepare for, and that we can execute on. You know, like it's it's not – any professional sport is hard enough that you don't do it year-round for a reason. Like there's a reason football doesn't go on 12 months a year because it hurts. You know, I'm like training for the CrossFit games, frankly, it hurts a little, you know, like it's, it's just one of those things you can't do it at the highest intensity possible year round. And that's why you need a season. You need an off season. You need to be able to peak at various points. You know, like we did you need that structure. And I think that's the other biggest thing that needs to happen is like, whether it's a combination of sanctionals and, you know, like whether I don't, whether they go back to regionals or whether they use just sanctionals or whether they do a mashup or like whatever they do, it needs to be linear and it needs to be condensed to a certain time period that, al- that allows athletes to treat it as a sport and also, you know, ha- have a life around it.
1: All right. Last question. Super quick. Yeah. We're actually, we, we've actually become kind of friends with these guys because of the podcast. What was it like being an honorary meat squad member?
0: Sorry, right, one second. My dog is losing her, losing her mind. I think there's a delivery here. Sorry, say again?
1: (laughs) So what was it like being an honorary meat squad member?
0: Oh, that was fun. I mean, honestly, so I've like... I've been, that, like, that experience in Miami was awesome. Like, all those guys were, it was a blast. Guys and girls, obviously. You know, I've known Christian for a long time. Like, we competed together with Grid. So, like, we're both in New York. So, you know, we've always kind of, like, you know, we've always been, like, you know, been friends, been acquaintances for a while now. And then I'd actually, I you mean, know, honestly, I'd never met Kelly or Brooke before that weekend. And they're two awesome human beings. Like, they're they're so fun. Um, so, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, for me to do the team stuff, you know, I've always kind of, I haven't done a team sport since I quit hockey. So like, I haven't really done anything seriously with a team. So that was super fun, you know, just kind of getting to experience the team side of CrossFit at a high level. Um, And yeah, I mean, like I said, all those guys are super fun. So that was like a really cool, it was a cool experience. And I I feel honored to be an honorary piece of meat for them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've always said after interviewing Kelly and and Brooke, like those are two people I just want to sit and have a beer with. Like they're just the coolest.
0: No, it was a blast, and it, Miami was Miami was fun. And their the after uh, their after party, I can't hang with them, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chris Christian and Kelly led led the after party, and they are they know how to lead an after party. <laughs> <laughs> I went and got some ice cream and took a nap, personally. But
1: <laughs> well, Tim, it it's been a true pleasure getting to know you a little bit better, and uh, man, you are like wicked smart too.
2: Yeah, I love it. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, I have, I have a lot more questions too. So maybe we can do this again, maybe closer to the open.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I definitely, I love, I love chatting. Podcasts are super fun. So I'd love, to, I'd love to come back before the open. That'd be fun.
2: Awesome. Let's stay in touch yeah. then.
1: Yeah, I love your ideas and we'll, we'll definitely be in touch. Thanks a lot for doing
0: this. Sounds good, guys. See you soon. Have a good one.
2: Thanks so much for listening. And a special thank you to our sponsor, RX Smart Gear. Head over to rxsmartgear.com for 15% off everything with the exception of special editions and new releases using our promo code. That's Clydesdale15, all caps.
1: Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube,